Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Five o'clock on this Monday morning. Good morning. Welcome on in. It is Monday, March 13th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain on and off throughout this day high 45 tonight and overnight more rain maybe a little snow mixed in low 34 and then tuesday messy rain snowy windy high 41 doesn't look like there's going to be any real accumulation here in the city but in the hudson valley northwestern new jersey could see some real snowfall on tuesday we'll get into that as the morning wears on if you are walking out the door with us right now it is 33 and cloudy so happy you're here so much to get to heavy heart I dropped off my kid back at college yesterday, my oldest one after spring break. And am I wrong that I just want him to live at home forever? He's such a sweet child. <laughs> but, you know, I know he has to go on with his life. But uh, now I know how my parents felt. I, I drove him back to school. And as I was getting back into the car and just a sad ride back home. And uh, he said he wasn't sure he's going to be back this summer. Ugh, heartbreaking. But look. Better that he's going in that direction that he's going, than he's living in my basement, right? But if he decides to do that, I will not charge him rent. I know there's lots of people who do that. I never understood that. No, he can live rent-free in my basement. All right, let's, there's lots of headlines. Let's get into it. The top five at five. Two banks failed over the weekend. One right here in New York. It may be hard to get a beer at the garden. Some students in the Bronx stealing calculators. Governor Ron DeSantis spends the weekend in Iowa. And a Staten Island woman's hand goes missing. All right, let's get into it. Let's start with those banks at WABC Newstime 5022. Big banks shut down over the weekend. State regulators closed New York-based Signature Bank. This was yesterday, the third largest failure in U.S. banking history. That's Two days after authorities shuttered Silicon Valley Bank on a collapse that stranded billions in deposits, FDIC took control of Signature here in New York, which has $110 billion in assets, $88 billion in deposits at the end of last year. This, according to the New York State Department of Financial Services, all of the deposits of Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank out in California will be made whole. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. This is according to the Treasury Department and bank regulators. Uh, last night, a bunch of employees from Signature Bank, they gathered at the company's Manhattan headquarters for meetings. Uh, they saw they were ordering catering in from Carmine's, you know, that Italian restaurant on the Upper West Side. I guess there's one in Midtown, too. Starbucks was coming in and out all night. 
According to a report from Reuters, people were trickling in and out of the building after news of the closure was announced. Lots of workers trying to figure out what it's going to mean for them. Of course, lots of people who have money in that bank wondering what it'll mean to them. Signatures failure following SVP. That Friday shutdown uh, happened. Second largest U.S. bank behind Washington Mutual, which you'll remember collapsed during the 2008 financial crisis. Lots of people worried, is this a trickle effect, a domino effect? Are other banks going to be shuttered today? We don't know. How will the markets react? We're watching. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen ruling out a bailout, at least for the California bank. During the financial crisis, um, there were um, investors um, and owners of systemic large banks that were bailed out. We're not going to do that again. Doesn't get any more clear than that. Yellen explaining that she's working with SVB depositors to find solutions. She said so all weekend, but that reforms put in place after the 2008 financial crisis means that a bailout is not one of the options. White House trying to reassure us that everything's okay with the U.S. banking system despite the failures of two banks over the last 72 hours. More resilient. It has a better foundation than before the financial crisis. That's largely due to the reforms put in place after the financial crisis. That's the Office of Management and Budget Director Shalanda Young stressing the administration. Been watching all of this closely over the weekend. Our Treasury Secretary, who is our lead and working with regulators, that's the appropriate person uh, we should listen to here and who's tracking this the most closely. So Silicon Valley Bank If you're not familiar with them, they had been the solid institution for tech startups for decades. But a major venture capital firm this week advised clients to withdraw their deposits. And then it was just all downhill from there. That caused the bank's value to free fall, spread panic over the U.S. banking sector. The bank here, Signature, that's more involved in crypto and same sort of deal there. Uh, so one GOP senator is hopeful that the collapse, at least of the California bank, will be more localized. But we're already seeing here in New York that uh, it's bigger than just that. There are so many unique things about the Silicon Valley that aren't necessarily applicable systemically. All right. Well, we'll watch this as the day wears on. Markets, of course, open 930. We'll see how they respond. And let's hope this is the beginning and the end. Two banks failing over 72 hours across the U.S. Let's bring it back home. WABC News Time 506. Madison Square Garden going to sue the New York State Liquor Authority over threats to take away the venue's liquor license. Let's find out the latest now from Live 77 WABC's Alex Barnard. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam, and yes, that's right. In a statement released Saturday, the Garden is accusing the Liquor Authority of abusing its power over the agency's inquiries into the venue's controversial facial recognition system, which has led to several people being removed from venues. Quote, CEO James Dolan, this gangster-like governmental organization has finally run up against an entity that won't cower in the face of their outrageous abuses, while others that have been subject to this harassment may have been forced into submission or silence we are taking a stand on behalf of our fans and the many small businesses who have long been subject to the sla's corruption of course you may remember a couple of months ago back in january when it was rumored that the state liquor authority might take this kind of action james dolan himself appeared on fox 5 to outline a plan of retaliation where we serve liquor we're going to put one of these up which says if you would like to drink at a game please call right Sharif Kabir, 
chief executive officer or write him an email at this number, right, and the, the uh, and tell him, right, to stick stick to his knitting and, you know, and to what he's supposed to be doing and stop stop grandstanding and trying to get press. Yeah, it sounds like that was heating up for a while there. For its part, the authority says that liquor license holders need to allow their venues to be a public space, which the facial recognition system violates. If approved, all MSG venues could be without alcoholic beverages, including Radio City Music Hall. Is there a day that they're talking about, a deadline when this might actually happen? There's no date yet uh, that has been assigned, but it seems like this is going to be something that we want to keep our eyes out on over the next few weeks. I can't imagine sitting at the garden without a beer in my hand. Yikes. Well, at least you won't be uh, spending, what, like $25 for, <laughs> you know, half a pint of beer? You, something make it like that. Good. you make a good point. WABC's Alex Barnard, thank you very much. WABC News Time 510, Michael Cohen, who for years was Donald Trump's fixer, expected to testify before a Manhattan jury later today. Court observers say it is a sign that prosecutors are close to indicting former President Trump over hush money paid to porn star Stormy Daniel, who said she had an affair with Trump. Cohen met with prosecutors on Friday. Yeah, it's been a long day. I'm really going to be taking a little time now um, to stay silent and allow the DA to build that case. Cohen's attorney, Lonnie Davis, says the Manhattan DA's office has already questioned at least seven other people before the grand jury that's hearing evidence about this money deal. Mr. Cohen has uh, truth on his side, and we were very impressed with the professionalism of this group of prosecutors. And thank Mr. Bragg and the entire team. Cohen's testimony said to be a strong indication that the D.A. Alvin Bragg will ask the grand jury to indict Trump possibly as soon as this month. The president, the ex-president, calling all of this a witch hunt, saying none of this is true, all of it nonsense. WABC News Time 511. MTA says it's making more changes to its WIR schedule this week, beginning today. Uh, this is, you know, the problems have been on ever since Grand Central Madison opened and they changed the schedules. There's been problems with switching trains, getting into the city. And so riders say if they make the fix, they want to see it take place today and they're hoping they'll get into the city quicker. <laughs> I'm not sure, as I can say, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we'll go back to things the way it was. I mean, for the most part, it's fine as long as uh, the trains that they're you know, waiting for us, you know, not missing it. So starting this morning, the railroad sending four trains to Gan- that were going to Grand Central back to Penn Station. They're also adding stops on the Ronkonkoma branch, adding cars to more trains. Riders, of course, have been complaining of crowded trains, platforms, misconnections since Grand Central Madison opened. Hundreds of additional trains now running through Jamaica Station. There's confusion there. There's little time for mistakes and missing other trains. They say... It's going to be all fixed. They said that last week, by the way, as well. But they say today it'll be better. Please add timely connections between Oyster Bay and Atlantic Terminal. You know, right now, I guess it's just the beginning of everything. So maybe everything will clear up, hopefully soon. Yeah, let's hope so. And the MTA also rolling out a new fleet of subway cars over the weekend. Conductor Roy Castillo helping test out the new R211 cars. They'll be tested for the next 30 days on the A-line. I really appreciate this opportunity to be the first conductor on the R211, and I'm going to rock it. (laughs) 
So the MTA purchasing 535 of the new cars that have digital displays. They've got wider doors. Meantime, the MTA's lettered subway lines are due from some serious upgrades with some of those trains. They actually date back to the 1970s. So they'll start here and apparently start moving their way over to the lettered subway lines in the next couple of years. WABC News Time 514. A group of teenagers in the Bronx wanted for cops for breaking into almost a dozen high schools over the last couple weeks, stealing calculators. Who knew they were so valuable? Valued at more than 40 grand, the NYPD releasing the first look at these high school age thieves that were reportedly behind the break-ins. They got pictures of them going into at least one or two of the schools. A neighborhood activist says she shocked that teenagers are behind all these crimes. I was actually shocked. I was like, wow, you know, like, okay, this is where we are. In my mind, I I wanted to know who these young people were, how we can help these young people. What is it that they need, right? Um, obviously, there's a need here. We need to pour the resources into our young people. Well, they got to find these people first. Uh, since February 6th, the thieving teenagers have been sneaking into schools middle of the night, in most cases running off with these academic tools valued in the thousands. I'm guessing they're reselling them. Police believe they first hit... NYC Charter High for Architecture, Engineering, and Construction Industries. They scaled a fire escape to sneak into that one and then steal calculators worth about 7000 And they went to at least 10 other schools since then. People in the neighborhood say they're not too shocked by all this. That's why this concern because kids, they do things so fast. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, they're gone. Police telling us this team of thieves range in age from about 15 to 18. WABC News Time, 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. We say good, uh, let's see, happy Monday. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Good morning, Noam Layden. Start on the hardwood here. The Knicks, they got back on track yesterday with a road victory, holding off the Lakers in Los Angeles by a score of 112 to 108. Julius Randle led New York in scoring with his 33 points, and R.J. Barrett played big down the stretch with 20 of his 30 points coming in the second half. And with the win, the Knicks snapped a three-game losing streak and still sit comfortably in sixth place in the Eastern Conference. They'll try and keep it going at the Garden tomorrow night when they welcome in the Portland Trailblazers in Denver. The Nets kept pace with the Knicks with a win of their own, beating the Nuggets 122-120. to Despite a late rally from Denver and another triple-double from Nikola Jokic, Brooklyn held on thanks to another very solid showing out of Mikel Bridges. The forward clocked out with 25 points of the, uh, for the Nets and spoke following the game on the win. Even if we don't know what we're doing sometimes, just scrambling, all five guys help each other. So if one guy gets you know, blown by, the other guy going to step up and help each other. So sometimes you scramble, sometimes it ain't going to be perfect, but I think just the next guy just stepping up, even if the person messes up, is the biggest thing. Up next for Brooklyn is the conclusion of their five-game road trip come tomorrow night against the Thunder in Oklahoma City. Over to the ice now where the Rangers fell 3-2 to in overtime to the Penguins in Pittsburgh. A late surge from the Blue Shirts ending with a Chris Cratter goal was good enough to force the extra period, but a power play for Pittsburgh set up Chris Letang for the winner just under two minutes into overtime. And the Rangers take the loss back home where they'll welcome in the Washington Capitals tomorrow night. And we did have a winner last night on the ice in your New Jersey Devils who blanked the Carolina Hurricanes 3 to nothing on home ice. Jack Hughes, he was all over the place all night long, lighting the lamp early for New Jersey. 
Jersey before setting up two Jesper Bratt goals thereafter. The win pushes the Devs into a first-place tie with Carolina in the Metropolitan Division and second-place tie with the Canes in the entire Eastern Conference. They'll welcome in the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night to see if they can keep on rolling. And Selection Sunday has come and gone ahead of this year's NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. Alabama is the overall top seed, securing the honors over Kansas, Houston, and Purdue, each of which being uh, rewarded with one of the three remaining number one seeds. Action in the 68-team tournament begins Tuesday. That's tomorrow night with two games in the first four. March Madness gets into full swing Thursday and Friday with 32 games spread over eight cities. Here with sports, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. You got your money on uh, Fairleigh Dickinson University? Yeah, or? that's exactly where all my money's going. No. Okay. <laughs> no Rutgers, though. What's with that? Well, listen, I mean, uh, they uh, underwhelming season. and uh, Really? Yeah. I thought they, they played some tough teams along the way. Don't they do it based on how tough your schedule is, right? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not exactly positive. But no, I don't think so. You don't. So you think it was right move? I think so. I mean, listen, I think they nailed it with the four number one seeds, and uh, and we'll see how the rest of it shakes out. But that's really where it begins. A Jersey City mom demanding answers after her son is left all alone on a school bus. He's five years old. And we finally figure out the mystery of a hand, a human hand, that was found in the forest in Staten Island. That and more coming up at first at 520, a check of Wall Street with Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Wall Street's losing streak extended with last week's sell-off, the Dow Jones Industrial on a four-day losing streak. All three major indexes finishing with losses last week. Stocks left battered by the collapse of SVB Bank. Another round of financial updates this week. February CPI forecast higher. Another hot CPI report. Economists have no confidence in forecasting what the Federal Reserve will do with interest rates after last week's bank collapse. February retail sales forecast higher both online and in-store. Year-over-year, Wall Street targeting retail spending up nearly 7%. If that forecast holds, it would be the second consecutive increase after two months of declines. Dollar General earnings Thursday, revenue forecast to be higher. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 521. You ever go to downtown Flushing, Queens? It is amazing how many street vendors are out there, and they're selling everything you can possibly think of. My wife will likes to buy the knockoff handbags, but, I mean, it's unbelievable how much there's table after table. Well, I never knew this, but apparently none of those vendors on Main Street in downtown Flushing have licenses to be there, which seems crazy for the fact that there's these brick-and-mortar stores right behind them selling some of the similar things. So City Councilwoman member uh, Sandra Ong, she's pushing back, saying either these people get licensed or they should be kicked off the streets. No vending zone basically means even you do have a license, you are not permitted to sell. What I'm asking for is enforcement so that there is just no vending in downtown Flushing so the streets can be cleared. Yeah, it's gotten so bad that the brick-and-mortar stores now now, they put their own tables out to compete with the tables of people who are there illegally, which seems a little crazy. The Neighborhood Business Improvement District supports the petition that these stores or these vendors should have licenses, should have to pay money to the city. I think that everybody without a license shouldn't work here, and the people with a license should work here. It's just uh, on this ward, on these people. They're not killing anybody or hurting anybody. I don't really mind them. It gives character. 
Yeah, the mayor's office saying the city has some reform efforts underway. But for now, those guys, at least over this past weekend, they were working out there, no license, nothing, selling everything they possibly could. City Hall touting safer conditions at New York City jails. Department of Corrections Commissioner Louis Molina says slashings and stabbings are down by 13% just over the last nine months. At the beginning of January of 2022, we walked into a situation where violence was was skyrocketing in the department because of of, of just a number of issues that were neglected. And now to be fiscal year to date at a 13% decline is big. And the news better, too, for corrections officers. Attacks on them are down by 42% compared to last year. Our staff, our contract providers, our partners at Correctional Health Services deserve to also work in a safe environment. And we need to make sure that environment for those that are in our custody is also humane and just. And after making some controversial moves, the head of NYPD training has a new job as New York City's probation commissioner. Mayor Adams has named Juanita Holmes to head that department. The goal is to find how do we keep people from going back into the system. That is the goal. And that is what I need the commissioner to continue to do. Holmes got a lot of heat. You might remember this when uh, she recently dropped the one and a half mile required run for officers in training because she said it would allow more women to make the cut. That drew a lot of criticism. Mayor Adams says Holmes will be good for the Department of Probation. It's going to help New Yorkers uh, exit the criminal justice system and find a better path. All right, let's go from New York's finest to New York's bravest. FDNY says... The public is going to be an ally in combating e-bike fires. FDNY Commissioner Laura Kavanaugh says lithium-ion batteries have caused 33 fires so far this year. It was over 200 last year. And of those 33 fires so far this year, 42 involved injuries. There were two deaths. They're all from these e-bikes and scooters and from people plugging them in in their homes and from using second-rate batteries. We're calling on the public to be partners with us to be smart about using these devices, especially those who are dependent on them for their livelihood. Yeah, uh, some of these are parked inside homes, inside apartment buildings, and that's what led to these fires. Please make sure these devices are not sitting in your hallway or your exit or your only way out of your room or your home. Yeah, I'm one who always likes to save cash, but this is probably one where you should buy a first-rate battery, not one of these second-rate ones, which, by the way, You can buy anywhere this morning, but these are the ones that tend to explode and cause fires. Imagine the damage this many batteries could cause, as you can see here, sitting out in the open, sitting on a a pallet of wood, given what we have already seen resulting from just one single battery. Yeah, show out a couple extra buckets, get the uh, best battery you can. And then, you, by the way, you can surf on over, wabcradio.com. We have all the details on which batteries are the best ones and where to park them at night. Check it out, wabcradio.com. WABC News Time 526, a Jersey City mom, she wants some answers. After her five-year-old son who has autism, was left on a school bus. Kyrie McNeil's mother called the bus company on Friday when her son was not dropped off outside her home. 2.45, he's not here. 3 o'clock, he's not here. Nobody couldn't find him. They called the Board of Education, they called the bus company, and they basically were just saying, like, all the buses are back and all the bus aides are back. You can imagine how frightened that is. He was discovered hours later inside the JR Transportation parking lot. He was in the back of the bus sleeping. When workers found him, he was pretty upset when he woke up. He got more upset when his mother showed up to pick him up. He knows that he was left on the bus, but I don't think he gets how serious that could have been. Yeah. When I got him, he was screaming, crying for me. 
Bus company says they've taken action against the driver and the attendant, but Kyrie is moving to a new school. His mother's not taking any chances, and she's, of course, worried about having him take a bus, but eventually he'll have to. I bought him an Apple AirTag that I can place on his clothes, that you can pin to his clothes. So I'm still going to allow him to ride the bus. Just That's actually a pretty good idea, putting the Apple AirTag on there. But, you know, the truth is the bus attendant, is their job is to make sure the bus is empty at the end of her hour. Not with that company. He just knows that he don't want to get back on the bus. Like, that's all he just kept saying to me. He just kept saying, Mommy, I don't want to get back on the bus. Man, who can blame him? So much more to get to on this Monday morning. Just getting started. We'll tell you more about this Bayonne school that's trying to stop students from getting bullied and how they're rewarding the students that behave. Governor Ron DeSantis, he spent the weekend in Iowa, of course, upping the ante on the chance that he'll run for the White House 2024. And uh, we'll solve the mystery of a Staten Island woman's hand that went missing. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's me. WABC News Time 531. Good morning. It is Monday, March 13th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain on and off throughout this day. High 45. Tonight, overnight, more rain. Maybe a little snow mixed in. Low 34. And then tomorrow this is where it gets messy. Rain, snow, windy. The high 41 in the city, so we probably won't see much of accumulation here in the city. But if you're in the Hudson Valley, northwestern New Jersey, you could see some real snowfall on Tuesday. Joe will give you all the details coming up. If you're walking out with the door with us right now, it is 39 and cloudy. So happy you're here. So much to get to before we roll out at 6 o'clock, as promised. This mystery of a missing hand solved on Staten Island. Such a bizarre story. A man walking his dog in the woods on Staten Island on Thursday found a hand. In fact, it was the dog that found the hand. You can imagine how creeped out the dog owner was. The dog made the find in North Mount Loretto State Forest on Staten Island. This woman actually lives across the street from the forest and she saw the commotion when this dog owner called the police to say, hey, my dog found a human hand. Sometimes you see four or five cars over there. Sometimes you see eight cars. All day long, there's always somebody there. So I'm surprised that somebody didn't find it sooner. Yeah, well, lots of people walk their dog here. But uh, detectives say they they spent the weekend figuring this out. So uh, follow me here. It's a little bizarre. Detectives say the hand belongs to a woman who died back in 2011 and was buried nearby in Resurrection Cemetery. I guess her hands had sort of a resurrection. The plot next to hers was excavated. This was about two weeks ago. And investigators believe that the while they were doing that excavation, that they may have actually damaged the 63-year-old who had died, her casket, and somehow her hand came displaced. All right, so then you say, well, how did the hand get from the cemetery to the forest? They think an animal probably saw the hand on the ground. How the workers didn't, I don't know, and likely dragged it into the woods. That's their theory anyway, and that's the theory they're sticking with. But weird, bizarre, and creepy story out of Staten Island. A school in New Jersey hoping to stop students from being bullied. We told you a little bit about this last week. Bayonne High working on this plan that would offer incentives for students to behave. 
Uh, NBC's Brian Thompson has a little more on this. Students here facing the same bullying issues as kids across the nation, but now taking matters into their own hands, fed up with the status quo. Okay, and picked on a female says something about another female. Nine student leaders pushing a new path forward. So some of the rewards include no homework Fridays, along with uh, ice cream truck tickets. When the ice cream truck cuts up, you get your ice cream for free. Other students, if you behave, you get a half day. There's roughly one bullying incident a week inside Bayonne High School, despite administration efforts to stop it. We have our rules, regulations, and policies that we follow. And unfortunately... It still occurs, so there has to be something broken, right? Junior Amelia Diaz says uh, this plan where reward students who behave is a move in the right direction. I think this is a good start. Um, maybe they'll open their eyes and see that, hey, if we do stop, we'll get a half day. WABC News Time 535. All right, let's go out to California. Awful story over the last 24 hours. Eight people dead, potentially over a dozen missing after a pair of panga votes capsized off the San Diego coast. Uh, they so far are searching for the bodies. They think it may have been a boat of migrants trying to get into the country. Not 100% clear we yet. We had a uh, 911 call from a Spanish speaker. That person reported uh, that there were approximately 15 people and eight people on two vessels that had overturned. Lifeguard Division Chief James Gartland in a Sunday night news conference, said that rescue crews were having difficulty recovering the bodies due to rough terrain, strong tides, foggy conditions. Uh, Captain James Spilter, he's with the San Diego Coast Guard, suggested the incident may involve human trafficking. But the nature of why the victims were uh, attempting to land on a San Diego beach, that's unclear at this hour. Access to the area was very difficult due to the tide and the coastal cliff there. Uh, so all of the victims were being told are adults, but their ages, their nationalities, their identities, so far we don't know that. Local rescuers, state rescuers, uh, law enforcement, and our federal partners, nobody encountered any survivors. And we don't know why these boats capsized in the first place, if they were just in terrible condition. That's not clear yet either. This is part of a transnational criminal organization effort to smuggle people into the United States. Yeah, so again, uh, awful story off the San Diego coast. Eight people dead, potentially over a dozen missing after these pair of Pango boats capsize off the San Diego coast. WABC News Time 539. Let's go down to the U.S.-Mexican border. New Jersey Senator Robert Menendez calling for Mexico to step up policing south of the border now. Mexico has a responsibility, first and foremost, to its own citizens to establish safety and security within its own territory and to those who visit its country as well. Democrat explaining while the U.S. can provide intelligence or guidance that Mexico needs to step up enforcement to protect its own citizens. And of course, the tourists that come in, this comes after four Americans kidnapped, two of them killed shortly after crossing the border into Mexico from Texas. We can help them. Yeah. Uh, we have intelligence. We have other information we can share, but we need them to enforce uh, in their own country. The head of the Transportation Board, NTSB, says the U.S. still has the safest aviation systems in the world. There are clearly risks that we need to evaluate, and this is why the NTSB is investigating several incidents, so it doesn't become something more catastrophic. Yeah, there's been a slew of incidents. NTSB Chairwoman Jennifer Homedy there 
expressing confidence despite at least six close call incidents between airplanes since December. That's a lot. Amity also called on the FAA to take action since close call events are on the rise at airports. We are very concerned because it could lead to another event and we don't want to see any backtracking in aviation because we have made substantial progress over the last several decades. Let's go out to Iowa. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis spending the weekend in Iowa ahead of former President Trump, who's campaigning in Iowa this week. The Republican governor from Florida telling a crowd that he's proud to be from a free state and that he won't let outside influences dictate his actions. He didn't say if he made it to the White House, but just in general, he said I that. also made a decision. I am not doing polls to tell me what to do. And so I've not looked at a single poll since I've been governor. A pro-DeSantis Super PAC launched Friday, expected to serve as an approved outside spending vehicle for his 2024 run. It, I mean, sure, it looks like he's going to run. If he didn't now, it would be awfully bizarre. I don't know when that announcement's going to come. It's one of four political action committees seeking to draft DeSantis to enter the race. They basically just sit back and say, OK, what's the governor going to do next? And we roll out and we execute and we do do things and we get things done. And in the process... We beat the left day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. The governor very proud. He says that Florida isn't going to give in to what he calls leftist liberals. You know, I always tell my legislators, you watch Iowa, watch watch these. Do not let them get ahead of us on any of this stuff. So we've got our legislature in session now. So buckle up. The next 60 days should be fun um, in Florida. Of course, while he's in Iowa, he's searching for supporters. Will he get support from Iowa Republican Senator Joni Ernst? Ernst, rather, she says the 2024 field for her is still wide open. She's not picking a horse yet. Even as I'm going river to river on my uh, tours, I do hear from Iowans that they're very interested in hearing from a number of the talent that we see out there. Well, they all make their way through, of course, Iowa. Joni Ernst says her party is in a good position, that being the Republican Party, for the 2024 race. Republicans have a very deep bench, and they're excited about it. They do have a deep bench, including former Vice President Mike Pence, who's now voicing disapproval of his former boss, Donald Trump's involvement in the January 6th Capitol attacks. Brad Siegel has more. In remarks made Saturday evening at the annual Gridiron Club dinner in Washington, D.C., Pence said that Trump was wrong for saying that the former VP had the authority to overturn the 2020 election results. He added that history will hold Donald Trump accountable and that Trump's words endangered Pence's family and everyone at the Capitol. The event traditionally features politicians making jokes about notable figures around Washington, with Pence saying he hasn't ever joked about that day. I'm Brad Siegel. Yeah, Pence, of course, trying to separate himself from the pack. He hasn't officially announced, but the thought is he's going to run for the White House in 2024. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, though, pushing back against Pence's comments. He's planning to make surveillance footage from the January 6th Capitol riots widely available so everybody can see them, and then you can make your own decision. My goal here is transparency, and we will slowly roll out to every individual uh, news agency. They can come see the tapes as well. You know, of course, they'll all that footage was handed over to Tucker Carlson at uh, Fox News. Uh, McCarthy vowing to let everyone to see the tapes to bring to their own judgment. My guess is people have made their own judgment already and tapes won't sway them one way or another. And while we're talking uh, White House politics, awfully interesting over the last couple days and weeks for New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. 
it sure looks like if Joe Biden were to decide that he's not going to run, that Phil Murphy would jump into the race. Look what he's done just in February. He went after Ron DeSantis by name, calling his uh, educational policies shameful. Uh, he made a visit to Ukraine. Uh, so it looks like the governor is winding up or beginning what could be a 2024 run for the White House as a Democrat. That's, all, of course, assuming that Joe Biden decides not to run. But right now, it sure, it looks like he's going to run. But the governor in New Jersey making a lot of moves uh, that somebody might make if they were thinking about a run for the White House 2024. WABC News Time, 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. And here's Justin Owen. Thank you, No. We'll start with the Knicks here on the hardwood. They got back on track yesterday with a road victory, holding off the Lakers in Los Angeles by a score of 112 to 108. Julius Randle led New York in scoring with his 33 points, and R.J. Barrett played big down the stretch with 20 of his 30 points coming in the second half. With the win, the Knicks snapped a three-game losing streak and still sit comfortably in sixth place in the Eastern Conference. They'll try and keep it going at the Garden tomorrow night when they welcome in the Portland Trailblazers in Denver. The Nets kept pace with the Knicks with a win of their own, beating the Nuggets 122-120 to despite a late rally from Denver and another triple-double by Nikola Jokic. Brooklyn held on thanks to another very solid showing out of Mikel Bridges. The forward clocked out with 25 points. Uh, for the Nets and spoke following the game on the win. Even if we don't know what we're doing sometimes, just scrambling, all five guys help each other. So if one guy gets you know, blown by, the other guy going to step up and help each other. So sometimes you scramble, sometimes it ain't going to be perfect, but I think just the next guy just stepping up, even if the person messes up, is the biggest thing. Up next for Brooklyn is the conclusion of their five-game road trip. Come tomorrow night against the Thunder in Oklahoma City. Over to the ice now where the Rangers fell 3-2 to in overtime to the Penguins in Pittsburgh. A late surge from the Blue Shirts ending with a Chris Crowder goal was good enough to force the extra period, but a power play for Pittsburgh set up Chris Letang for the winner just under two minutes into overtime, and the Rangers take the loss back home where they'll welcome in the Washington Capitals. Tomorrow night, we did have a winner last night on the ice, and your New Jersey Devils who blanked the Carolina Hurricanes 3-0 on home ice. Jack Hughes was all over the place all night long, lighting the lamp early for New Jersey before setting up two Jesper Bratt, uh, Jesper Bratt goals thereafter. The win pushes the Devs into a first-place tie with Carolina in the Metropolitan Division and second-place tie with the Canes in the entire Eastern Conference. They'll welcome in the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night to see if they can keep on rolling. And Selection Sunday has come and gone ahead of this year's NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. Alabama is the uh, top overall seed, securing the honors over Kansas, Houston, and Purdue, each of which being rewarded with one of the three remaining number one seeds. Action in the 68-team tournament begins uh, tomorrow with two games in the first four. March Madness gets into full swing Thursday and Friday with 32 games spread over eight cities. Here with sports, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. St. Peter's, of course, the big surprise last year, right in my backyard in Jersey City. Could FDU be the surprise this year? Uh, well, well that only time will tell there. No, you're not but, willing uh, to put down uh, any money. A fan duel. Well, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't have any money. No. So, but if I had it, then maybe. Okay. Then maybe, yeah, it would go to FDU. Okay. I'll loan you 15 bucks. You can put down it. Put it down on FDU to go all the okay. way. Okay. To, to final eight. How about Deal. that? And then we'll split the winning. Okay. Yeah. The weather, the big story. The other big story, let's catch up, is uh, two banks shut down over the weekend. State regulators closing New York-based Signature Bank. This was yesterday, the third largest failure in banking history, two days after authorities shuttered Silicon Valley Bank in a collapse that stranded billions in deposits. The FDIC took control of Signature here in New York, which had $100 billion in assets, $89 billion in deposits at the end of last year. 
all of the depositors of Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank out in California will be made whole. This according to the Treasury Department. Employees last night, they were gathering at Signature's company headquarters right here in Manhattan for meetings. They were ordering in from car mines, lots of Starbucks coffee coming in and out as they try to figure out what this all means for them starting today. Uh, the markets, of course, open 930. We'll watch what dictates uh, the markets there. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen speaking out yesterday on one of the news shows on CBS. She says she's ruling out any bailout for at least the failed California bank. She spoke before uh, Signature was taken over last night. During the financial crisis, um, there were um, investors um, and owners of systemic large banks that were bailed out. We're not going to do that again. So she says it's not going to happen again. The White House, though, trying to reassure us that the U.S. banking system is sound. But two banks in 72 hours, you imagine people are worried. It's more resilient, has a better foundation than before the financial crisis. That's largely due to the reforms put in place after the financial crisis. That's Office of Management Budget Director Shalanda Young stressing the administration closely watching this situation has been all weekend. Our Treasury Secretary, who is our lead and working with regulators, that's the appropriate person uh, we should listen to here and who's tracking this the most closely. But again, two banks over the weekend uh, in 72 hours. That's a lot. We will watch, of course, how the markets react and uh, how other banks react as the morning wears on right here on 77 WABC. Did you watch the uh, Oscars last night? Everything, everywhere, all at once, the big winner at the 95th Academy Awards. This is for my dad, who, like so many immigrant parents, died young. And he is so proud of me, not because of this, but because we made this movie with what he taught me to do, which is no person is more important than profits. Yeah, some nice moments at the Oscars. Last night, the film took home Best Picture. Out of its 11 nominations, the movie won seven, including Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, uh, star Michelle Yeoh, uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, NAB Best Actress, Michelle uh, Yo, best ac- uh, best actress, I should say. And uh, Brandon Fraser is this year's Academy Award winner for Best Actor. He won for The Whale. I just want to say thank you for this acknowledgement because it couldn't be done without my cast. Hey, he's out of breath, I guess, from climbing the stairs at the stage. Uh, the award for Best Directing goes to Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which, again, big movie of the night. Haven't had a chance to see that, but I hear it's a little bit out there, but fun. I know every director agrees with me when I say a director is nothing without their incredible cast and crew. This is my family, my friends. Um, if our movie has greatness and genius, it's only because they have greatness and genius flowing through their hearts and souls and minds, and they gave it to us. Daniel Kwan, Daniel Scheinhart, known as the uh, Daniels, were the ones who got that Best Directing Award. They met while studying at Emerson College. Oh, that's where I went. So they, they're they getting Academy Awards, and I'm up at 5 in the morning, I guess. They're doing a little better than I. I am. Kwan and Scheinhart built their name uh, directing music videos back in college. Now, of course, directing Oscar-winning movies. So some of the awards from last night's Oscars. Uh, 
Did you uh, move your clocks uh, ahead an hour? I don't. When you get up in the middle of the night, it's no big deal if you lose an hour because your body is already off kilter anyway. But experts say that that extra hour affects our bodies more than you might think. There is research that things like not getting enough good, healthy sleep are now considered to be risk factors for developing dementia and Alzheimer's symptoms. Really? Just from that one hour? All right. Jenny Funk is with the Alzheimer's Association in Texas. She says the time change is also hard on people who suffer from dementia and their caregivers. Oh, that makes a little more sense. Brain health is being researched and looked at as far as what bad sleep can actually do to the overall health of the body. She says lack of sleep affects the way our brain functions. Uh, Yeah, I can attest to that. There are research studies that are most definitely being done on sleep patterns and how that has an effect on overall health. Yeah, there's nothing better than a good night's sleep when you wake up after, well, seven hours, six hours, eight hours. Sweet. SpaceX uh, celebrating another successful mission over the weekend. One hundred and... 57 days in space. SpaceX Dragon splashdown. SpaceX capsule splashing down. This was Saturday off the coast of Florida, bringing two NASA astronauts, another from Japan, a Russian cosmonaut, back to Earth. The crew spent five months in orbit aboard the International Space Station. SpaceX Crew 5 mission uh, was a success. Dragon Endurance, on behalf of SpaceX, welcome home. Yeah, so now uh, they'll talk to them about what it was like to be out in space and how it went over the next couple days. An orthodontist in East Flatbush landing a deal for her new toothbrush uh, invention on ABC show Shark Tank, love that show. Dr. Bobby Peterson, an orthodontist with 20 years experience, made a name for herself when she opened a braces office in uh, Brooklyn. So now she used her talents to develop what she calls the big mouth toothbrush. The head's really big on this. It's an electric toothbrush. It's actually pretty cool. It's 1.5 times the size of an average toothbrush head. The sharks on the shark tank liked it. They uh, all sort of bidded to get in on the action. I'm trying to make something that's existed for so long uh, just a little bit better. The concept of the toothbrush is so simple. It's so simple. Let's make a wider head. Let's make sure it fits in every crevice of the mouth. So that toothbrush sold out in just 24 hours after she was on Shark Tank. I'm definitely not supposed to be here. You know, I, I was a teenage mom. I had my daughter when I was a teenager. So right then and there, the odds were against me. And I just pride myself on being me regardless. Don't be ashamed of who you are or where you come from. That adds to your character like American success stories like that. And New York City's 311 helpline uh, turned 20 years old. Mayor Adams reading some of the most outrageous calls the service has received over 20 years. Can I claim my dog as a dependent on my taxes? Can you check (laughs) if my boyfriend is married? I'd like to report a ghost in my window. Yeah, I can only imagine taking some of those calls. 525 million service requests made uh, through phone and text to that 311 call over the last 20 years. We are just a minute away from the Monday edition of Sydney, uh, Sydney, Sid and Friends in the morning. Let's find out what's happening on the show this morning. Here's Justin Alec. Well, thank you, Noam Layden. Just a couple minutes out here from your Monday edition of Sydney 
and friends in <laughs> the morning. Go. There you go. That would be more of a mouthful. To say well, that, might right? as well. Yeah. Might as well throw the <laughs> the the N E Y on there if we're gonna do uh, if we're gonna do it right. Might as well do it right. Uh, bottom of each hour, you don't want to miss the seventy seven WABC clip of the day. The Cats Roundtable. John Cats Matidis today on this Monday morning nine forty a.m. You don't want to miss another great fun edition of the Peerless Boilers Sids Take Contest, kicking off the week right in that regard. And in the way of guests this morning, seven oh five Curtis Saliwa popping in the studio seven forty this morning. Rich Lowry eight oh five. 5 a.m. Uh, Ray Tierney, 825. Some nuggets with no Molina. 840 this morning. The great Mayor Eric Adams. We're looking forward to that. And 925 a.m. this morning. The guys from the Gastro Clinic in New Jersey, George Pavlo and Steve Puchik. So we're ready to go, No, Can't wait. All right, out of here on this Monday morning. Uh, we'll do it all over again 5 a.m. tomorrow.